turn on the mic great um uh you are listening to the arts report here at citr radio 101.9 fm broadcasting live from the unceded Michigan territory and the ubc point gray campus here in vancouver and i'm so happy to be here with you today so i got some really excited things for the show today planned out for you uh but first off i want to say that we are giving away two free tickets for two lucky people or uh, one person and they are plus one for the orchid ensemble which is a music um music and dance and multimedia show that is happening this weekend here in vancouver at the Playhouse, and all you need to do to get those tickets is call into the studio. Our number is 604-822-2487, and I'll repeat that, 604-822-2487, and call in, and we'll get your details, and there's going to be one lucky winner, and I'll reiterate all this information throughout the show, but now I want to start the show with something that I wasn't able to do last show because we ran out of time, but it's okay, which is a review of the musical which happened a week ago that finished its its playing a week ago, which was Rock of Ages happening, which happened at the Metro Theater here in Vancouver by the Renegade Arts Company. And Rock of Ages is a musical which... I the story felt so familiar to me throughout the play and once they sang the last song I realized why it was so familiar it's because it's the literal story of um don't stop believing so just a young town girl I'm not singing for you guys because I don't want to hurt your ear with my terrible voice but I guess you get the story and it felt so familiar and then I was like oh right that's why it's so familiar because you know it's it's the song and it's a very fun show. Um, all the all the singing was actually really, really incredible, really amazing. Um, but there were so many technical issues on the day that I was there that it really made me. It really pulled me away from the show in general. The thing that is, it is mostly song. Yes, um, like most musicals, it's one song kind of attached to the other. And there's speaking and there's a lot of jokes. And the characters were very much, um, you wanted to fall in love with them. And for some of them, you did. And it was great. However, there were a lot of punchlines and a lot of jokes that I missed because I could literally not hear what was said. The singing was very clear, it was very loud, was projected well the mics worked perfectly well the moment they started talking it was as if the mics were out of calibration and I just could not hear them and 
still, besides that, it was a very enjoyable night. Uh, it was a very fun night. Uh, it was really great. But because I couldn't hear the show, I feel that I lost a lot from it. And so Renegade Arts Company is a new, relatively new company. This is, I believe, their third show. And they're always putting on shows like Rock of Ages, where it's very um, up, a lot of energy. They did Rent one year, and they did, I believe, no, I'm sorry, I forgot. But they did do Rent one year, and so you can see kind of the vibe that they are always going for, which is really exciting. And the actors were obviously very passionate about what they were doing, and that made me feel passionate about the play. But then again, because of this issue with the sound, it was very, very hard to follow through. And I would love to come back and see this play again with better mechanics and better sound, although it's not possible anymore. Uh, Renegade Arts Company is putting on some really interesting show. The set was really, really well made. All the props were really well thought out. Everything was very, was perfected to a really good point. And then that, yeah. So that's what I have to say about this show. Um, what we're going to do now with the arts report is we have a, uh, I'm alone here in the studio again, but Margarita and I did pre-record certain reviews and interviews for you guys because, well, we want to have both of our voices here on the show. And so how the show's going to work today is I'm going to play um, those reviews and those interviews and you hear me every once in a while. Um, and now I'm going to go play a interview with Colette Berg from, who is a, who, who is a stage manager for, um, Newsies, uh, the theater under the starts play right after that, I'll do some ads and PSAs and I'll follow that up with a review of Mamma Mia and Newsies. If we get any calls while those are playing, I might, I will pause them, take that call, and see who won our ticket giveaway. So, yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. I guess I say that a lot because I'm always happy to be here. But um, anyway, um, I am here today with Colette Berg, and she is the stage manager for Tut's production of Newsies. And Newsies, for those of you that don't know, is a musical about um, newspaper boys in 1899 um, who are trying to get their rights, um, of better rights for themselves. Um, it sounds a very interesting political, and at the same time, it's produced by Disney. So, you know, <laughs> some fun stuff. And we're here with her today so she can talk to us a little bit more about it and give us maybe a, new, a little sneak peek into what should we expect from Newsies. <laughs> so, hi, Colette. Hi, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And so what is it like to be a stage manager? So first, some people don't know what a stage manager is. Do you want to describe what your role <laughs> is and how important it is? Sure. I guess in broad strokes, the stage manager's job is to oversee all of the aspects of a performance every night. So from everything from the actors being in the right place at the right time with the right props and costumes to all the technical elements like lighting and audio and just sort of overseeing all of the crew, all of the performers and making sure that everyone has everything they need to do the best job that they can. And 
that sort of ranges from lots of different things in the rehearsal hall. We take charge of organization, making sure that everyone knows what's going on, what's about to happen, keeping track of what's going on, so that then once the director leaves on opening night, we can continue, make sure their vision is continued and kept up throughout the entire run of a production. Yeah, honestly, I think the stage manager's job is the hardest job there is because you end up having to memorize not only your role, but everyone else's role, the entire script, whatever the director is <laughs> thinking, whatever the lighting guys are thinking, like you have to be inside everyone's head. And so you have to know the play very well in and out, which is great to have you here. So you know it really well. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I guess it is a complicated job, but I, ha- I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's great to be involved in all of those aspects. That's awesome. And so about Newsies, what should we expect from it? Or... Yes, what can we expect? <laughs> it's a great show. It's been so much fun working on this production. As you said, it's uh, based on, well, the musical is based on the 1992 movie called Newsies, um, which is, again, based on a true story of the 1899 Newsboy strike. Um, so, yes, overall, it's about the young people banding together and fighting for what's right and what they believe is right and coming together as a family in that. Um, And it follows specifically Jack, who's the de facto leader of the Newsboys, and sort of their journey in discovering what their rights should be and fighting against, you know, the man to make that come about. Um, And the story is just so full of heart. The Newsboys, it's such a great show. There's so many people in this cast who've been dying to do this show forever. That's the best, when you get passionate people to be in the cast. It's really true. (laughs) It's one of those shows that has a big cult following, and it's not been done in this way in Vancouver before and there's so many people in the cast who are just so thrilled to be a part of this show Um, and it's such a fun show there's so much dance in it it's a great show to be doing in Stanley Park all summer and what do you think has what is the different aspect of this production of Newsies compared to other productions of Newsies what's like something that sets this production apart sets this production apart I mean uh, Julie Tomano is our director and choreographer. I think Ooh. it's really great for a show like this to have one person doing, doing both. both of those roles. Yeah. Absolutely, because there is so much dance in this show. It's very, it's very impressive what she's done and what the cast is continuing to do. Um, so that I think that's really great. It's a, it's great having those two aspects integrated in this show. Um, and as always, shows in Stanley Park are just wonderful. Being outside all summer, having the backdrop of Stanley Park as my home for the next two months. That's great and such a fun experience for people to come to as well. And I think that's super different about the Under the Stars. And what do you think um, is an experience that's part of of Tuts that you really can't miss? Because Tuts is not just a play, right? It's like all of this uh, this experience to it. What's part of that experience that you can't miss? that you can't miss. No, absolutely. Tuts is a great, (laughs) like you can come and spend your day in the park. You come... Um, into the theater, there's a restaurant and food available there. Um, you come, it's, you know, I think live theater is one of those things where it's different every night and being outside is just an additional element to that. And hopefully it doesn't rain. Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it rains, it's going to make things a little bit more complicated. It's true. I mean, we actually do go through with the shows Rain or Shine. We have to adjust on stage because there's no, there's cover only over half the stage. So um, for us on the technical end, there's a lot of, changes that have to be made on the fly if it does start raining. But even so, we go through the show and it's really interesting to see the audience in that we hand out ponchos so that you can still be there. And it's funny, the audiences on rain nights get super into it. It's actually a super (laughs) fun night at Tuts. But of course, 
that's not the hope. The hope <laughs> is that it stays dry and that we don't have to make those changes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, even so, even if it does rain, uh, you should still go. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yes. It's still going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's to you your favorite number for from Newsies? Oh, my favorite number. It's so hard. There's so many in this show. Um, Seize the Day is a number that happens near the end of Act One. It's where the newsboys like do decide to go on strike and decide to band together and it's the first number where they sort of celebrate that it's an incredible dance number in the show it's the amount of choreography and the amount of acrobatics and flips and tricks that go through it is incredible (laughs) there's a huge fight scene um to, to me i really feel like that's one of the most exciting numbers in the show for sure and for my end there's so much to keep track of there's lots of cues in that song there's lots of Again, so much happening on stage. There's a number of things in the show that we have to run before the show every night, like flips and fighting and all of that. It's just sort of where a lot of those elements come together, and I think it's really exciting. That's really exciting. I mean, flips and stunts and all that stuff is always something to get the audience going, right? (laughs) Absolutely, and there is so much of that in this production. Um, Oh, my God. I had a. Oh, yeah. Is this your first time working with Tuts? Uh, It's not, actually. I stage managed 42nd Street last year at Tuts, but also I definitely come from a Tuts family. My first summer out of high school, I assistant stage managed Jesus Christ Superstar there in 2008 before before (laughs) I came to UBC. Um, And before that, I was in a show in 2002, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in the children's chorus. So I performed on stage. Both my parents, my mom has played in the pit orchestra of a few shows. My dad has been on stage in a few shows. So, so cool. Yeah, I definitely come from a long so touch tradition. That, <laughs> and is that why you decided to be involved in Tuts again? Partly. I mean, yeah, I l- loved my time there when I was an assistant out of high school. I thought it was a great, great company. And being able to come back as a professional is great. I think one of the th- good things that Tuts does is that they, they like to mentor young talent and I really love being able to work with ASM, like assistant stage managers who are either just coming out of high school or in the early years of their training and being able to teach them and work with them because I remember being that myself at Tuts and getting to work with professional stage managers and learning from them. And that was one of the things I found super valuable. And what do you think is the hardest part of your job? Oh, the hardest (laughs) part of my job. That's a good question. It's funny, I think, you know, there are so many technical things that we keep track of. There's a lot of organization, there's a lot of note-taking, there's a lot of communication. Um, But I think the most important, but often the most difficult part of the job as well, is the sort of human interaction part, right? Because, of course, there's all of the technical things to keep track of, but I feel like the biggest and most important part of my job is working with everyone, creating that environment, making sure that everyone's talking to each other, working with people, making everyone feel heard and making sure that everyone's visions, you know, I can help them come to fruition and organize that or also deal with the things where they can't if something's not going right or whatever, being the person to help everyone through that and figure out a course to make everything work. That's cool. And why do you think, um, oh, not Tuts, Newsies was chosen this year with Mamma Mia. I mean, it can be completely, oh, I don't know. But no, of course. <laughs> but if you have any thoughts on why. Absolutely. I mean, I think 
Newsies is a great show to have in the park at Stanley Park. I think it's a great it's a great family show. It's it, I think it appeals to all sorts of different people. You can come for the dance. You can come for the story. It's uh, so high energy the entire show. I mean, I'm calling the show and I'm like, oh, we're already at the end of Act One. It just flew by. Um, I think it's a great. Yeah, again, it's super high energy. It's super fun. It's super gorgeous to watch. Um, I think it's a great show for families to come to. I think that, again, it's nice doing a show outside in the park all summer long. It's great to have a sort of exciting show to watch. Absolutely. And what, do you want to remind us when it's running from? Absolutely. Uh, previews start, so for, again, we're running in rep with Mamma Mia, so we run every other night. Um, previews start July 5th, Mamma Mia opens July 9th, and Newsies opens July 10th, and we run right until August 17th. So it's every other night all summer, no matter which night you come down to the park, you'll be able to see a show, and you can go to the website at tuts.ca to find out exactly which night is which show, and more information there. Yeah, and this is a family show, so more than welcome to bring your entire family. Bring your ga- grandma, your aunt, your uncle, like Absolutely. everyone. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. This show appeals to everyone, for sure. And to you, what's, what is the thing about Tuts in general, not necessarily just Newsies, that you're most looking forward to? That I'm most looking forward to. I mean, Stanley Park, you can't have a better backdrop to work all summer. Like, <laughs> that being your office view, absolutely. Um, so that's great. And just the people. Like, Tuts is a really community-based organization. Everyone who works there loves being part of it. So many people come back for years and years that it really is just a great environment to work in. Everyone wants to be doing this. Everyone cares about what we're doing. And that's a really great place to go to work every day. That's that's amazing. I mean, it's always great to hear about people that really love what they're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So do you want to add anything else? Any last remarks? (laughs) I mean, just... I hope if you're listening that you guys come down and come see the shows this summer, whether it's Newsies or Mamma Mia or both. Um, but Probably we- both. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, I can definitely promise you a great entertaining night and a awesome. lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited for both shows. Um, I'm feeling, I'm already feeling that they're going to be amazing. <laughs> like, I'm sure they're going to be amazing. I've never actually been to Tuts, oh, but uh, I feel that this is going to be a great year to start going. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Uh, and again, thank you so much. And I'm going to hand over the show to probably me, who is hosting as well and doing this interview. So there you go, me. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, I just finished my doctorate on the history of lawn bowling. Most people don't understand the difference between an American lawn and a British lawn. But they actually produce radically different creatures. Tired of parties that suck? Well, good news. Party Fest is back. On Friday, July 19th, Vancouver's best party is happening again at the Redgate Art Society. This year's Party Fest 2019 features Devours, Shitlord Fuckerman, Freak Dream, Okibi, Spencer Owen Timeshare, Joey Chaos on the Ghosts, and more. Tickets are $10 at the door. Visit partyfresh.ca for more info. I 
lord, I need a creative outlet. How on earth can I channel everything that's inside of me? You know you can do that at CITR and Discorder, right? Pardon me? Yeah, you can illustrate for Discorder magazine or take photographs of events and artists and they can teach you how to use Photoshop in their media lab. That is so exhilarating. It fills my soul with lightning. Yeah, just email volunteer at CITR.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Bro, I was kind of thinking that I might want to write, like, stuff for a magazine, dude. You know you can do that at CITR and Discorder, right? What? Yeah, you can review live shows where you get in for free, or music and books and stuff that's coming out, or do write-ups on artists and local issues for Discorder magazine. That's sick, bro. Yeah, just email volunteer at CITR.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. Dude, I totally will. And before we go into our reviews of Newsies and Mamma Mia, we actually got a caller. Hello? Hi, I'm a huge fan of the show, and I wanted to call in in regards to the tickets you guys are giving away. Oh, cool. So we are giving away a ticket for uh, the Orchid Ensemble. It's happening this weekend, uh, July 20th at 8 p.m. at the Vancouver Playhouse. And you are our first caller, and so you get the tickets. I'm going to take all your information um, you can either message our Facebook page or hang on to the line and I'll take up your information. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show. Great. Thank you. Okay. Just stay on the line, please. Thank you. And I will continue playing our review. Hey, bro. I was kind of thinking that I might want to write, like, stuff for a magazine, dude. You know you can do that at CITR and Discorder, right? What? Yeah, you can review live shows where you get in for free, or music and books and stuff that's coming out, or do write-ups on artists and local issues for Discorder magazine. That's sick, bro. Yeah, just email volunteer at CITR.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. Dude, I totally will. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Hey everyone, so I had just a little technical error. Um, but the review will go on just as expected. Uh, sorry about that. But while I load up the review, I also want to talk to you guys um, about um, the Vancouver Bach Festival, which is going to happen uh, very soon, and give you a general review of what's going to happen. So it's happening from July, July 30th to August 9th at the Christchurch Cathedral and the Chan Center for Performing Arts. It's a return of the Early Music Vancouver, and they're do- putting up the Vancouver Bach Festival. Um, so the there are going to be four concert festivals, and there's going to be part one, Bach Complete, Grunenberg Concertos, 
on July 30th, Purcell Heo Bright Cecilia on August 9th, Favre Requiem with Vancouver Bach Choir on August 1st, Bach Cantadas on August 2nd, Palestrina Monteverdi and more, Songs Song of Songs August 6th, um, Handel Early Cantantas featuring Amanda Forsyth. August 7th, Shostakovsky Preludes featuring David Gilbert um, on the piano on August 8th, and Strozzi on August um, on August 8th as well. Uh, we actually had an interview with one of the um, singers that was participating in one of the other shows that the Early Music Vancouver um put on and that was a very interesting this is technically it's coming from gospel music however um when we had that interview it was came, it became very clear that this isn't about just about gospel music this is really music anyone can hear and will can anyone can enjoy um <laughs> And so if you do really like classical music, this is a great opportunity um, for that. And well, while I set up other technical difficulties, I'll leave you with a really cool interview I had a chance to perf to have with Len Tank, the artistic director of the Orchid Ensemble, the ones that we just gave the ticket give the ticket giveaway to this Saturday. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, and I am here today with Lun Tung, the artistic director of the Orchid Ensemble, who is going, which is going to be having this amazing performance this weekend on July 20th at 8 p.m. at the Playhouse, named Crossing Mountains and Sea Seas. And this performance is a mixture of music, interactive multimedia, and contemporary and aerial dance. And I'm so happy to be here today and be able to talk to Len Tung, who is the co-founder of the Orchid Ensemble and the artistic director um, of the company. So, Len, how did the Orchid mm -hmm. Ensemble came to be? How did it, well, how was it created? Um, we started in 1997, so it's a long time now. Um, I basically started the ensemble just because uh, um, I was new here. I came from Taiwan. And uh, I came in 1994, and uh, so I'm look, seeking opportunities to perform. And so I learned from my friends, like, the best way you get uh, to be able to perform is have your own ensemble. So oh. that's, that's how we started. <laughs> that's amazing. And who else is a founder with you? Um, actually, um, I am the only founder. Uh, then I had two different members, and over the years, uh, that changed a few times. Um, but uh, since 2000, uh, Jonathan Bernard has been the uh, uh, the partner in the ensemble, the percussionist. Uh, so he's been the longest member, and uh, also he's uh, the general manager, uh, touring man tour manager, helping with a lot of uh, uh, activities. Amazing. And can you tell us a little bit more about what the show, the Saturday, Crossing Mountains and Seas, is going to be about? Um, this show is um, uh, quite a, a mixture of many different um, um, things. Uh, so we said uh, the mix of music, 
and aerial and contemporary dance and music mixing Chinese and the Western instruments and uh, the composition draws influence from traditional Chinese music and Indonesian gamelan and jazz and and then also creative improvisation and multimedia has uh, uh, live animation and uh, uh, the uh, brush painting style being animated uh, uh, with uh, content uh, with a uh, New technology, new software, and I, and you also IR camera tracking the dance movements live. Um, so there are many, many different layers uh, in the performance. The performance sounds absolutely fascinating. There's so many different elements to it. I'm really yes. excited to see how it comes together, and I'm very curious where did the idea to combine all these different elements come from? Um, well, basically just. Uh, uh, these are the people I would like to work with. Um, um, I met Julia Taff of Ariosa a few years ago. Actually, um, the first time I saw them was the Vancouver winning, well, the Winter Olympics. The, they were dancing on the tall building inside out of uh, the Vancouver library in downtown. So that was quite beautiful to see. And then um, we started to work together like three summers ago. In the summer, we were pl- uh, uh, play, working together in Stanley Park, so the dancers were climbing the tall trees. And we also work uh, on a, a like, week of residency at the, botan- uh, the Botanical Garden in Tufino. Um, so all this work prepares to, for this uh, major theater production. And uh, I'm uh, both Sammy and I came from Taiwan. Uh, Sammy is the media artist and uh, the director of uh, Chimeric, uh, the media arts and uh, uh, collective. And working with seeing us, uh, like, because uh, we have many mutual friends in contemporary arts, both in, in like improvised music and uh, movement. And, and so like, our friends in Taiwan, <laughs> actually been telling us that how can you have not met when you both live in Vancouver <laughs> so that's how we came together and um, and then um, it was uh, the other choreographer Chen Xing Wei I worked with him in 2007 so, uh, so, um, so it's like a reunion <laughs> coming back together again Awesome. So I'm guessing this is not how usually performances by the Orchid Ensemble works. I'm guessing there's yes. a lot more elements, right? Yes, a lot of non-music elements, <laughs> a lot of uh, things to figure out, coordinating with between different elements, and also because I'm also the producer, so I have no, I have to uh, uh, know a lot of things as uh, what people need to put. And also managing a budget, um, yeah, which is working with all the different uh, and I'm like producer and the music director. I'm writing all the music, so then I have to work with choreographer, get the music ready, and also we are like making changes uh, and have to produce uh, revision very fast. It sounds like a very yeah. intense challenge for you. Yes, <laughs> and it's I think it's going to be a very unique show then. And it's the only performance that's happening here in Vancouver, correct? Yes, we did an, uh, a show in Nanaimo last week, and this 
Vancouver show is the only one on Saturday, July 20th at 8 o'clock at the Playhouse. And are you excited? Are you nervous? Is there anything that is anything last minute that you're still trying to figure out? We uh, the, Because each time it's in a different space, uh, even for during all the rehearsal process, when we have different space, the rigging is different. We have to experiment uh, and see how that changes the dancer's movement, how that changes the timing to move from one point to the other, and then that affects the music, affects the video and lighting, everything. So, like, it's just uh, uh, so a lot, a lot of things to, to figure out when never wearing a new new space. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, I can think that to part of that is to work out transitions uh, because different location and the transition need to be reworked again. And the story that's going to be told um, this Saturday, it's mm-hmm. a story of creation, is a story of society. Could you tell me a little bit more about that story? Um, yeah, so um, the project is based on an uh, ancient Chinese book, uh, uh, Classic of Mountains and Seas. And the uh, in this book, there are many, many different creatures. They are hybrid animals or, hybrid, or half god, half human, half animal. And so, and even animals have different body parts, uh, so like a uh, uh, turtle shell, bird head, snake uh, tail, eagle beak. Like they live mixing different things, and a half god of of uh, uh, a, a half goddess with a, a snake body, um, and then also like other famous characters in the book. For example, um, uh, the night tail fox. And Kirin is like a mixture of a dragon and deer and different animals as well, and very powerful and sacred. So, um, so this book gives us the inspiration to create characters with imagination, but at the same time, um, it's, it, it has it, it, we see this as a metaphor or like as a, a message that we can give to the uh, the, the audience as to how people may look very different from you, but it's very well, uh, very um, much accepted in a book. So in the ancient time, already people were accepting, accepting each other, like they, they, they look very different, but there's no criticism of how they look. This, and uh, um, it's just uh, the, the openness uh, to anything maybe abnormal, but in the book, it's all describing very normal tone. So uh, we find that uh, also a source of inspiration and how we use that to build our story. So, so is uh, so the this the story we create also touch on issues of, of racism and, uh, and gender issues of how we can accepting each other in the in the book in the ancient book and then um how that compares to the reality and for our characters to travel between the modern world and this ancient mystical place we have uh, um imagined that the, they are playing a, a role playing online role playing video game oh wow that's that's a very creative way to put it yeah, so so then they can travel back and forth between the different worlds and very naturally. And 
Yeah, and then we create we create a beautiful a gang world with beautiful projection and the uh, and the aerial dance movement makes like they can they can move very slow in the air. So it's kind of that surreal quality. Well, I'm very excited for it. Uh, it sounds <laughs> like a fascinating show. So many different elements. Mm-hmm. It really sounds very complete. And I'm sure you're working very hard to have it be the best show. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time and t- taking a minute to talk to us here at the Arts Report. Yes, thank you. I hope the show goes well, and we are very excited to see what happens. Okay, yeah. bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And that was Len Tung, District Director of the Orchid Ensemble, which was having this only one night show in Vancouver, crossing mountains and sea, multimedia, so many different elements. Fascinating story in how to connect the old and the present. Happening this Saturday, July 20th at 8 p.m. at the Vancouver Playhouse. Very excited. Um, we are also going to give away two tickets for the show. And um, Lua on air or me on air is going to give more details about that. But stay tuned. Hope you enjoy that. And yeah, bye-bye. And unfortunately, we already had this ticket this ticket giveaway and we already had a winner. But you can still have a chance to watch your Orchid Ensemble as it is this Saturday. If you are interested, if you were interested by this interview, go out and check it out because it is the only night that is happening here in Vancouver. And so before we put on the review for, uh, before we do the review for Newsies and Mamiya, I also want to do a review for The Second Detective, which is a book that Margarita, our correspondent, our ne- another host, read. And um, it's very a very fascinating book, and I hope you enjoy this review by her. Hey, everyone. Um, this is Lua. I'm in studio. Unfortunately, Margarita couldn't be in the studio with us today, but um, we took her some time to make sure that she is part of the show today because she read a really cool book that she's going to talk a little bit more about. And I'm here kind of like to be the devil advocate asking the questions. <laughs> so, hey, um, the book is called The Second Detective. It's the winner of the three-day novel uh, contest. It's written by Shannon Mullally. And it tells the story of a detective, a very special detective, that specializes in cases of post-death. Like a woman comes to him and says, I need to find my husband. And shortly you figure out that the husband is dead but he's still on the case. You kind of don't understand what's happening. And apparently, he specializes in cases of people wanting to find their loved ones after their death because this is a world where reincarnation is a thing. So if you have enough money, you can get a reincarnation plan and come back as an animal of your choosing. So you can come back as a bonobo monkey. You can come back as a snake. You can come back... Actually, burns aren't that prevalent. Um, So then, many people, after their loved ones are dead, they still want to find them. Sometimes it is out of revenge. Like, he tells the story of a woman who was looking for her husband, and then when she finally found him, she killed him. And he was, can't remember what animal he was, but he was helpless. I think he was a fish. Wow. And but you can only reincarnate once. You can't reincarnate more than once, and you always reincarnate into an animal. It doesn't always work as planned. So you might ask for one animal, but get another animal. 
I, I don't know if there there are plants involved. But like my question becomes like, who is deciding if reincarnation is a thing? Who is deciding where you're going? Your reincarnation agent. Yeah, so you have an agent. I'm sorry, this is like <laughs> such a wild concept. It is so wild, but it's written in such a realistic manner. That's that's so interesting because it's like it makes it become like un- like normalized as right, right? It is kind of normalized. This is a world where um it's a kind of a different world. It's a world like post uh, dystopian world, um, post apocalyptic in a way. Like most of the area is deserted, most of the area is desert, and you have to get like a driver to ride through, and like it's mostly desolate. And like he drinks a Coca Cola at some point, and he says like these are very hard to get, or ginger ale, like some kind of soda pop, and like he says these are very hard to get right now after the fall. It doesn't go into detail about what the fall was, but there was an event, like like a um, climatic event called the fall, and everything was uh, ruined uh, during it. But it's kind of like, it's not a big part of the, um, of the synopsis. I think it's very interesting how um, it's creating this very, very impactful story, but at the same time, it's not just creating the story, it's creating this entire world that's so different from our own, and there's so much in there to explore, and you want to know more about the world, but because it's not relevant to the story, and everything is so normalized, you just don't get that sneak peek into, like, the history. Definitely so, and I felt like that was such an intriguing part of the storytelling, like, that background story, which was so, um, rich, but also not like it, they didn't delve into it so much. Maybe it's like, oh, I want to leave this for my second book. You know? <laughs> maybe, or maybe she just had this idea and she didn't have time to um, explore it that much because she only had three days to write the novel. Like, I cannot imagine writing an entire novel like with plot points and everything in three days. It sounds like a real big challenge. I think people do it like year in, year out, and they get better at it. It for sure is a very nice book. Um, I really enjoyed reading it. Do you think that the mystery detective aspect of it, did it really go full on that mystery detective aspect of it? or You really go on a trip with the detective. Like He goes uh, in all kinds of places like trying to get um, some kind of leads for his case. And he's talking to, he's actually talking to his processor. Like he's leaving him notes about how to do things. Um, so it's almost as if you're going to follow the, this detective's exactly, footsteps. Ah. Exactly. Um, I do feel like uh, that has been developed to an extent where um, you kind of go with him on his story and you kind of empathize with him on what he does. You kind of hoping that it will be his last case. He says these kind of cases like take up your whole time. Also, like going back to the reincarnation thing, I think the reason I find it so fascinating is because if you're going to be talk about reincarnation as a religious aspect how because it's how it's usually put as then it's like how does religion work in that world and if it's not a religious aspect of it it's like if it's like your body is dying but they are able to like transfer your mind into a someone else instead of your soul you know what i mean like the sci-fi aspect of it yeah it's very sci-fi yeah it doesn't have any kind of religious aspects interesting and th- but they still call it reincarnation. Yeah, it's a very like um, common sense kind of common sense kind of thing. At first, when so this woman comes up to him and he says, "I need to find my husband," um, 
And at first, you don't understand how is he going to find him if he's dead. And they present this reincarnation in such a like mundane kind of thing. Like it's, it's a set in stone fact. Like it's just a reality, which is very like, it's very entertaining the way that they present it. And it sounds so sad that if you get to choose and sometimes it goes wrong, like people don't know where you are or maybe you're doing it on purpose, you know? Yeah, sometimes you don't want to be found. Yeah, fascinating. So um, do you want to tell us how long the book is itself? So the book is only 95 pages. I'm holding it right here. It's really tiny. Uh, It's nice to have on commute. Uh, I wish there was more of it, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was a really fun read. But it's the story short. in of itself, the story that it tells goes like goes through like a nice arc, I imagine. There's definitely like a beginning and, and middle and an end. Um, obviously, because it's so short, it develops very fast, very rapidly. Um, yeah. You were wishing there was more. <laughs> That's good. That's good advice. Maybe um, Shannon Malaney, Malaley? Yep. Um, will write more. And this may be like this is first of the series because if it were, it would be a very fascinating series. I just honestly, um, I'm very, I'm very intrigued, and I really want to read this book. Uh, but also, I'm very intrigued about the world. I, w- I kind of want a book just about this world building. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I wish there was more. Uh, she is a, she is a writer that writes many things. Uh, I mean, it's not her first time uh, being in the competition. Shannon Mullally is a two-time winner of the International Three-Day Novel Contest. Her latest novel, The Second Detective, won the 40th Annual International Three-Day Novel Contest. Shannon holds a doctorate in creative writing from the University of Denver and a Master of Fine Arts in Writing from the School of Art Institute of Chicago. So she's a writer. It's not her first rodeo. It's not her first rodeo. (laughs) That's a a good expression. Um, But do you want to add anything else? How did the book make you feel? Uh, it made me feel intrigued. It was like um, there was some tension build up. Um, it was entertaining, mostly. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> the second Detective. Read it if you can. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bard on the Beach Shakespeare Festival's 30th season is running now until September 21st. It's housed in two modern theater tents and situated on the spectacular waterfront setting of Vancouver's Vanier Park. On the BMO main stage is Taming of the Shrew, a hilarious runaway hit inspired by Bard's 2007 Wild West production. This plays in repertory with the Elizabethan-era romantic comedy Shakespeare in Love, On the Howard family stage, there are two new innovative productions, Shakespeare's All's Well That Ends Well, set in India in the 1940s, and Coriolanus, a no-holds-barred political tragedy filled with resonance for our time. For tickets and information, visit bardonthebeach.org. And, yeah, so that was really cool. Finally, after a lot of little technical issues, we have been able to get the review up and running. So that's what you're going to listen to now. Um, I'm very happy. Um, It wasn't two amazing shows, but you'll hear more of that right now. Hello, everyone, again. Um, So Margarita and I had the opportunity to watch uh, both of Toots' plays this year. 
and what's Toots? Toots is uh, Theater Under the Stars, and Theater Under the Stars has a huge, very long history. The first uh, Tuss performance, which happens every summer, happened in 1940. And it's very interesting to see how far they've come and how big the company is now and today and how much work they put into their productions. It's always musicals. And this year, the two musicals, which happens interchangeably, they happen one night, one night, one play, one night, the other play throughout the three or four weeks of three. I think it's actually longer than that. Um, from July 5th to August 17th. Um, they are Mamma Mia and Newsies. And this comes as no surprise because I've said it before, but I am a very, very big fan of Mamma Mia. It was the first musical I ever watched and it was the first music that made me fall in love with musicals. And today I love musicals oh so much. And because of that, I may have a little bit of a bias, but after watching the show, I think my bias is actually kind of a positive thing because I love the show so much and I know so much about it, I can also say, like, what wasn't that great? But this was also the first time for me seeing Newsies. And for Margarita, it was both times seeing both plays, right? First yeah, time first seeing time seeing both. both plays. So I want to first start talking about Toots in general and the experience of going out to Stanley Park and Theodore and the Stars does take it na- its name from the actual thing that's happening um, because there is no cover. The first day we went was actually raining really badly <laughs> and we were sitting in the audience with these huge um, ponchos. ponchos, like rain capes that they actually provided us, thank God. They provided everyone in the audience with one um, watching the show. And part of me just really wishes that it hadn't rained, but it didn't actually make the show any, like it didn't make the experience worse for me. It was like still a very cool experience. So that's one thing I have to say about Tuss is even if it rains, it's still worth going. It still is worth going. Yeah. It's still a fun night and they make sure that everything else, everything is set up very um, in a very nice, cute way. There's like a little photo booth section thing that you can take photos with like your face in the newspaper for newsies or your face in the little uh, window for a villa. Uh, there's food, there's drinks, and just the environment is just beautiful. Like being a monk, like you're literally in the middle of Stanley Park, surrounded by woods. It's really gorgeous. Yeah, it's a really fun <laughs> atmosphere. Um, sorry, Marita just looked at me like, oh, I can talk right now. <laughs> that made me laugh. Anyway, um, so how about we start with Mamma Mia? Yeah, let's start. So, as a first timer ever watching Mamma Mia, What's your general opinion? It was a fun play. It was definitely fun. You know, we, we were talking about the problems that we were experiencing, but I'll start with the, ben- with the benefits. <laughs> um, it, was, it was mostly very dynamic. The music was great. The live um, orchestra was amazing. The live orchestra, orchestra was really good, sorry. Um, again, the, the experience of being outside is very magical. 
The stage was beautiful. It was very well constructed, multiple layers and multiple levels, which really impressed me. And how smartly they did um, the ins and outs and making sure that there's always people that are working on set, not necessarily participating on the scene to exactly. create that Greek villa atmosphere. It was yeah, very... Yeah, like a lively taverna. Yeah. It was very good in those sense. What I did feel fell a little flat, and there's something that frustrated me kind of throughout the play because I was enjoying it so much, but at the same time, every time, um, oh my god, Sam, who is supposed to be like this heartthrob, right? He's supposed to be Donna's first real love, and that's who she's supposed. They're supposed to end up together, but I just felt that his acting and his performance in this role just fell a little flat um there was just a lot of it where i just wanted more from him i just thought he was just so and uncharismatic in that role and i was just every time i fall in love with sam because he is because he is just supposed to be kind of this perfect guy and I just didn't fall in love with him in this specific production. And that made me a little sad because every he ha- does have a really big role, and because I wasn't so in, I wasn't excited to see him on stage, I feel that my energy went down a little when he had his part. You know? Yeah, I feel yeah. He was a little flat. He was a lot of the times he was stationary and wasn't even moving on stage, which kind of bummed me out. Uh, some of his dialogues were, I yeah, I wasn't feeling him. Like I think you're supposed to have a certain preference towards him uh, from the three dads, and I didn't really feel that. But I think on the other hand, I was completely like in love with Harry, uh, Harry Bright and Bill Austin, who are the other two possible dads. Yeah. Because they had just so much personality to them. They were just so out there and, like, trying really, like, and I think it's really funny because Harry was, like, trying too hard in the exact right way. As in, like, this is a banker who was trying to prove to other people, I can be spontaneous. I can be fun. He can be fun. (laughs) And that was so funny to me. And that was, like, that's the thing. Like, I think that's kind of, like, the not great part of this production of Mamma Mia although the night itself was really great the setting was great a lot of the things worked really well together because this major point fell flat for me everything else kind of like went with it what else um I was also not very impressed with so Vulevu is one of the choreo heavy um, songs in the show usually and I just felt that there was a lot of opportunity to explore that choreography and there it just wasn't there right I wanted to see more dancing not necessarily dancing that was difficult with acrobatics or anything like that but dancing that made me feel involved and that made me excited to see people on stage and they had really amazing dancers but they also had people in the ensemble that didn't dance at all and that mix if you're not an amazing choreographer that can really incorporate those two together it's really really it becomes really obvious to the audience where the distinction lies where you're like oh this person is a dancer now can watch them all day and this person is just doing a choreography and i feel the that 
branching in between these two levels of expertise in dancing was something that also wasn't done very well because when there was an aspect of dance that was very dynamic and you have like do five pirouettes and what whatnot very precise very good but then when you had the entire cast together it like it just was too much of a distance between the two for me to conciliate the plot as a whole you know it's interesting i didn't feel that maybe because i'm not a dancer i was more paying attention to like how how full the notes are that they were singing yeah and that's good right because they have different perspective on musicals especially because musicals um i don't know musicals to me are truly the hardest form of theater because you got to dance sing and act all at the same time and you can't miss a beat or ever anything because then it's gone you know yeah you gotta be perfect on all three battles um i think the singing was at parts kind of tense i thought well we'll talk about newsies moving on but i felt like the singing in newsies was so much better than the singing in mamma mia maybe because i'm comparing it to a version of the song that i already know because for me it was the first time seeing the play so i was comparing it to the recorded songs that i know and love And for me, like, the singing was as if they were pushing on their uh, vocal cords. Um, I don't know, I come from a choir, so for me it has to be, like, smooth, the notes. Um, it kind of bothered me some of the time in some of the singers. But I think overall it was still a great play and a great production, although it had these disadvantages to it. It was a very fun production to watch. It was a very entertaining show. Um, it was honestly a great night. It was pouring, like it was raining so much. My butt was completely wet because I sat down on the chair without putting my my plastic thing uh, underneath my back, my, my bum. And so even with all of that, it was still a great night, you know? And maybe part of the reason that we thought some of the things were strained is that because it was raining and only part of the stage was covered, they had to do everything kind of like a little... Really? Yeah, tighter together. Yeah, so usually you notice in Newsies how they use the entire stage. I guess. And in Mamiya, they had didn't have that opportunity because it was raining so much and, like, a lot of the props and stuff just can't get wet, right? So you have to, like, use it on the covered part of the stage. And so maybe if we went another day with a non-raining day, it would have been, like... I don't think Bigger, so. I think it was the choreography. Yeah. Like, there were poor parts, for especially first act, where it was more dynamic. And there were parts where it was, like, more stationary and kind of an eyesore at some points. Yeah. and s- But Sophie, honestly, her energy and her enthusiasm and her voice. Um, Sophie, who is played by... Oh, my God, where is it? You know, I couldn't find her either. I think they... Could they have written the wrong name? I don't think could I... Could they have written Maggie instead of Sophie? Mm, I think... I believe Sophie is played by... Kara Jung? Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't see her either here. But anyway, Sophie... She um, carried the play on her shoulders. Carried the play on her shoulders. Absolutely marvelous. 
from choreo uh, to acting to singing Even everything some was yeah everything was on point every time she came on stage and she has obviously a huge role she's the main character of this play i just wanted to watch her and keep watching her it was very very fun very entertaining i mean it's mamma mia like even if like there's nothing about mamma mia that is not gonna be fun i think mamma mia is a play for everyone it's a play for all ages and it's a play that will make you want to dance regardless of anything you know like and the end oh my god the i do want to highlight this so in the end um they do an extra to musical numbers that are not related to the actual story that was so fun that was absolutely so fun and besides us there were two old older ladies they're probably like in their 60s or 70s and one they was older and then the other one i think was her grandkid or something or yeah or and they were so cute like they literally stood up because they said everyone can stand up now and dance in the aisles they stood up and they were dancing their hearts out in the aisles and that warmed my heart so, so much sweet. it was so sweet and honestly i think that's what mama mia is truly about like having fun at the end of the day and like getting up and dancing because why not yeah and now to newsies actually guys unfortunately we're running out of time again because of technically technical difficulties uh that happened but next show that is the first thing we're going to start with um the review of newsies but don't worry let me just give you a sneak peek newsies was even better than mama mia was in our humble opinion um and it was a really really fun show if you have a chance to go see any of these two plays um go ahead you will have an amazing night and with that being said thank you so much for tuning in um and see you on july 31st because we are still running on a two-week basis until the academic school year starts again okay and yeah goodbye it's great it's too much for a cultural backwater like vancouver it just just bursts with violence it's got every absurdity and nihilism of the world CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting from Vancouver. Every absurdity and nihilism of the world since 1937. It'll play off-Broadway. I can see it now. Yeah.